I, I'm used to working on my own here. You're starting to get into my space. We got to go back to Zoom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm Robert, and normally we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint and listen in for the next little while as we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Like I just said, and you've heard time and again, Normally, we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. Unfortunately, I still seem to be playing somewhat solo. So you all know the drill. Please pray for Dennis as he continues his rehab. He thanks you for all of your prayers and reports that they have been working wonders for him. Now, just before introducing this episode's guest, I would like to make a couple of quick pre-show shout-outs. The first shout-out this evening goes to Father Rafael Bartosinski, the Associate Pastor at St. John Chrysostom Parish in Newmarket, which happens to be the parish that I grew up in. Uh, I was recently at St. John's for the Memorial Mass for uh, a friend of mine, uh, his mother, and Father Rafael gave the homily at the Memorial Mass, which really can't be an easy thing to be giving the homily at a Memorial Mass or a funeral. But what really struck me was Father Rafael talking about how the end of our earthly life really isn't an end, but it's just a continuation in the next step of our uh, eternal existence. The other shout out I wanted to make before we got started this evening was for Mark at Black Box Mercantile. Uh, Mark is actually the brother-in-law, a friend of the show, the Cordial Catholic, and Mark has put together for us these absolutely amazing craft beer flight paddles which are available over at Black Box Mercantile. So I have put a picture of the, the flight paddle up on the Pints and Pews Facebook page, and I'll also make sure to, to get a link in there for Mark's handiwork because he does do amazing work, and he will ship that out to you wherever you are across North America. So now, without further ado, I do want to introduce you to this episode's guest. Our guest this evening is a cradle Catholic who was born and raised in a large Irish Catholic family in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. He is a graduate of both St. Michael's College School as well as St. Michael's College at the University of Toronto, along with a stint of studying pedagogy in Australia and finally a Master's of Religious Education from St. Augustine Seminary in Toronto. Our guest's faith and travels have taken him around the globe, from the aforementioned Australia to his ancestral homeland in Ireland, right back here to his backyard in suburban Toronto, Canada. He is a Catholic, a husband, a father of three and an educator, but best of all, I can call him not only a good friend, but a brother in Christ, and ultimately the co-host of the Pints and Pews podcast. Finally, as has been promised for month upon month and episode upon episode, Dennis is now finally able to make his triumphal return to the Pints and Pews podcast. Na -na -na -na! Dennis! <laughs> what? 
buddy, oh. welcome back. What How are you in, doing? What an introduction, Robert. I'm doing really well. Um, I, I can't believe that introduction. I'm honored. I'm humbled. It's great to be back on the Pints and Pews podcast. Uh, it's been, what, almost four months, I guess. And uh, I can't believe I'm here, but I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. And I'm, I'm glad that uh, you're having me back. Although I noticed the ratings have shot up, shot up in, my, uh, in my absence the last few episodes. But I've been really enjoying your episodes while I've been uh, convalescing. But it's really good to be here in person with you in the basement of my house. We're drinking beers in the basement, Robert. It reminds me of your days back in Newmark in the late 80s and early 90s. Much like back in our salad days, yes, drinking beers in the basement, but a, a huge difference is that uh, the quality of the beer before us this evening is much, much better than anything we would have been drinking back in the day. And you said that too in your last couple of podcasts, it's all about the quality now as opposed to the quantity. And those and those podcasts you had in my absence, those last six ones have been excellent. Your guests were excellent. I really enjoyed those. I learned a lot from them and... Uh, yeah, it's um, you know, I don't know if I'll listen to them anymore because I'm in them now. But if you keep me along, if you you can reduce my salary a little bit, but I've just enjoyed them immensely the last uh, the last few episodes. So that was a, you know, great help in my faith journey as as I, you know, convalesce to kind of hear those podcasts and and keep me sustained, as well as the prayers from you and and others and and the listeners, of course. So I, I've been really blessed. Although I did have a little bit trial and tribulation, I'm I'm happy to be back feeling stronger. As you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite back up to my weight that I was when I, when I was first hospitalized, but you know what, hopefully with these beers in front of us, if we can get drinking soon, um, I'll get back up there shortly. Yeah, well, I was going to say that you're looking good this evening, but you know, the, the, the judge and jury are still out on that a little bit. Um, but I a, guess a little, it, a little bit better than when you first saw me when I came out of the hospital about three months ago. Oh, it's still not quite where I was uh, before I went in, right? M much better than that. But I was going to say, yeah, if you've been off sick for four months, um, we'll let you go a little bit on the wonky side. I wasn't going to bring up the upshoot in ratings that we've had in your absence, but top fifteen podcast. Wow, I, I need to you know do something. I think to to keep those numbers up. So I was just going to say, you no. Know, now that you've mentioned it, maybe we're going to welcome you back and say goodbye all in the same episode <laughs> here, my friend. My returning last episode. Your your return and your retirement. All, all together but we do have these fantastic beer flight paddles in front of us oh absolutely and a shout out to mark they're absolutely beautiful i think you've taken a a photo of them robert and you're going to put that on the website but they're absolutely beautiful and this is the first time as you mentioned in over 20 episodes that we're actually not having a pint but we're having four flights of beer which is i think it was i did the measurements about a little bit less than a third of a pint in one of those flights so, so yeah, about a pint and a third pint, pint and a third. half yeah you're almost over your your hourglass so we might have to go a little bit longer than your normal and you might have lost weight in your illness i've put a little bit on so i could use a pew and a half for myself here this <laughs> evening right so um but maybe what we'll do because we're getting a little thirsty here we we actually opened them and poured them ahead of time usually we open and pour while we're on the show but because there was four of them to put there it just gets a little complicated and people don't want to hear us pouring beers for half an hour so we've already poured them uh, they're all from one of your favorite local craft breweries the brock street brewery 
why don't you let us know which four that you you've chosen for us to to pour this evening yeah well this was a bit of a seasonal uh package that came out um a few weeks ago and a couple of them are are, are seasonal ales um and you know you got the delivery and then of course you got a free toque with the delivery to, okay. so maybe for our friends who are south of the border and in warmer climates uh, a toque is a, a wool cap that uh, us here in the the great white north will put on our heads well it's a hat it's a wool hat that you put over your head then you down over your ears uh, kind of when the temperature drops below zero now that's when it drops below zero centigrade so it drops below 32 fahrenheit uh, when it drops below zero fahrenheit we don't even go outside i mean we all have our, our limits, right? Nice, yeah. And I think a, a beanie, it might be another name for it. But just the first one we're looking at, I don't know if you want to do them all at the same time, Robert. We'll just start with the Munich Lager. So this is about 6% alcohol. This is one of my favorites. I've had it before. I don't know. You might have had it when we dropped in there. They, of course, moved into this big, huge brewery right in the heart of downtown Whitby, which is just about, you know, 30, 40 kilometers east of Toronto. So 20 miles east of Toronto. Um, and it's we used to go when it's a smaller place, but it's it's a great it's a great big brewery now with a, a restaurant and everything. And um, this is a this is one of my favorites, this Munich Lager. So we'll just I was just gonna well no, we can't drink the beer yet because we haven't said Grace before beer, but uh, I'm gonna ask maybe can you just read off the sure. list of the four that yep. are in front of us? Because you've got the tins in front of so you. So we have I the Munich really Lager see. to start, and then we're moving to the Scotch Ale. And then the one after that is a seasonal series called the Spiced Holiday Ale, um, which only comes out around Christmas. And the final one, despite the name, is a really good beer. It's a milk chocolate stout. And milk chocolate and stout yeah. together for me normally isn't it? But I'm no. gonna go. I'm gonna go on uh, your recommendation for well, that. You'll enjoy that one. Yeah. And so we're gonna sample these throughout the podcast, and we will talk to them as as we're sampling them throughout the podcast. But yes, all of this talking, you've been out of practice, so I'm sure that you're getting very thirsty by this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. It's been quite a few months. It's been four months. You have already well, had, had your... Yeah, but it's been the longest time since... But it's you know been, been a while since you were, were having a beer. You did have your first beer since your illness. You did, couldn't save it for the podcast. No, I couldn't save it. But let's get into our first beer this evening. So we will say grace before beer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant, through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Good to see you, Robert. I wish I could say the same. So, and it is good to that see is. you, but that that's nice. That that Munich Lager, yeah. it is one of my favorites from from them as well. That's a nice hearty beer, isn't it? It, it it's a full flavored full beer, flavored. without six percent alcohol over yep. the top. Uh, but it, it's one of those. It's a full flavored beer, but it doesn't knock you over doesn't art overpower you absolutely right. so, it, it tastes like a beer should taste if that makes any sense at all 
Right, I'm just trying to get at the show notes here. You're piling all kinds of stuff on them. I got glasses and pencils. And... Uh, I, I'm used to working on my own here. You're starting to get into my space. <laughs> we got to go back to Zoom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, four months of kind of uh, forced fasting, uh, four months of, of kind of being in a sick bed. Mm-hmm. You know, four months of not really being able to do much of anything. I mean, if Dennis is too sick to have a beer, then we know something's up. And I yeah. and, and I can say that in all honesty because uh, we all know way back in the spring when I was sick, the last thing I even wanted to look at mm-hmm. was a beer. Right when when you're ill like that, and, and it's funny because when we were planning, when you when you were ill, we were actually planning to record an episode. The day after you got sick, not right. the same. We were going to plan for you to get sick. And we were going to have it, but we were planning. And then the day before we were going to record, uh, I got the text message from your wonderful wife that you were in emerge at the hospital. They weren't sure what was going on, and they were they were figuring things out. And the beer I had lined up for that day was from the Market Brewing Company in Newmarket, my hometown, mm. and it's called Revenant, and it's a, a double dry hop. Seven or eight percent IPA, and the reason why I picked that beer for that episode is it has a skull on the label, and we were going to talk about the four last things: death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And I have still saved that beer, and I was going to bring it for the show this evening, but you've told me no more IPAs for I'm the next little missed, while. I'm glad I missed the IPA. Yeah, maybe back in the maybe next summer we'll we'll do that again or the dunkel dunkel it's not a dunkel kind of day is it, it was quite a, today quite was nice, beautiful it was, it was nice actually the, you know, this morning was a dunkel kind of morning yes. but you know sun came out in the afternoon yeah ha- having a beer with my espresso in the morning is not you know, Something necessarily you want to do. yeah but you're right, though the the fasting was the was a tough part. It was a forced fast, and obviously the doctor said no beer. So it was it was two things. Obviously, I was hospitalized just as you spoke, Robert, just before we were about to do that podcast in early August. I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. Serious gallbladder inflammation, um, pancreatitis, gallbladder pancreatitis, inflammation of the you know the colon. So a lot of things were, were messed up down there. And then once I came out after two weeks, I was I was still very sick. I was, you know, a couple of months of a forced fast. Like you said, I could not eat certain foods. I had to be on a low fat diet in order for the inflammation to go down so they could do the surgery. They did the surgery about a month ago, you know, pain, obviously abdomen pain for a few weeks, starting to feel better now back on a regular diet, ready to go back to work shortly. So everything seems to be good. And I just want to say once again, it was just, you know, through the prayers of yourself, the listeners, my family, you know, faith in God, being able to go to mass once again, once I got out of, out of, uh, I've, I've been really blessed and I know you can say well blessed and, and you've had certainly your trials and tribulations but there's people who've gone through a lot worse so I, I you know and I'm, I'm almost at full um, health and I, I just feel really lucky to have the people in my life that I have so anyhow it's been it's been really good and there really are those spiritual benefits to fasting is really how can we enjoy the feast if we haven't fasted before, if we're constantly feasting, the next feast isn't going to mean anything. Right. And it's having those times of, of fasting that we learn to enjoy the feast. And we've just entered into the season of Advent, right. the penitential season. We don't normally associate fasting with Advent. 
what the color purple, the liturgical color purple, or some like to say violet. I like to say mauve, you know, to, to each. It's the, still the same color uh, liturgical. But that reminds us that it is a penitential season. It is a season where we should be doing some kind of fasting, not fasting necessarily like in Lent, and we're, mm -hmm. not, we're not called to do that, right. so that we can prepare for the great feast of the Nativity of our Lord. Now, thinking about the season of Advent and thinking about these Brock Street beers that we have in front of us, I think we would be quite remiss if we didn't mention the Brock Street Brewery Advent calendar. That's right. No. And I didn't get that, uh, you know, uh, when, when I ordered the, the beers. And you've seen it before, and it's a beer for every... It's a, it's a different beer for every day. So you every get a, a case of 24 for the month of December. Right. And it's a beer a day and a different beer a day taking you right up until Christmas Eve. Right. And I, I, I don't know if they're all beers per se. Some of them might be some vodka sodas or something like that. I don't know if they have 24 beers, but certainly it's a different alcoholic beverage for that particular period of time. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't see it maybe on the website, but certainly uh, it's something to look at if you're on the uh, Brock Street brewery website and i imagine that there's other craft breweries out there that do that but it's a it's a great way to bring in that monastic tradition of brewing into the advent season as we prepare for the the birth of christ you know one of the only things that i would be leery about something like that is uh, i know i'm not going to necessarily enjoy each and every beer that's yes. in there you say a vodka soda isn't necessarily my thing yeah yeah, and you know what? It, like you said on, I think it was your last podcast. You're probably not going to have that beer a day. You're probably going to wait maybe to the weekend, and you're not necessarily going to imbibe every single night of the week. Exactly. While you're working, right? Exactly. And like our last guest, or on the podcast, Stephen McAvoy was mentioning that Untapped app, and a colleague of his yes. at work who did a oh. different beer a day for what seven hundred and fifty. And I expected he, you him to say afterwards it was the most sedentary fellow you've ever seen sitting on the couch. <laughs> And he's a marathon runner. Unbelievable. Yeah. So there you go, right? But it, like I said with Stephen, he can afford all the calories. He's burning those calories like crazy. Yeah. Oh, but what you've been describing for us, that, that forced convalescence, that forced mm -hmm. fasting, that, that need to step back, because you had to. You didn't have a choice. Yeah. And I know it wasn't necessarily something that you were looking for. We had been out two days before. We, we, were, out we were out golfing a couple of days before. Yeah, and I golfed that day as well and had a couple of beers that night and a double burger, which was cheeseburger, which was probably the, the probably didn't Probably didn't help, my friend. Yeah, and then that was it that night. I was just had this awful pain. So, I, I mean, it's something to think about, right? I, I, I never had, you know, high blood pressure or something, but I did have a bit of a high cholesterol that the doctor had said. And I think, you know what, Robert, and it's something... Now maybe our listeners as well. I, I think because I was always a skinny guy that I thought, you know what, I'm fine. I don't have to worry about it. And I guess it just goes to show you the fact that I wasn't carrying a couple of, you know, 100 pounds extra, that it was still something that was affecting me inside. So Why are you looking at me when you say that about carrying a few extra pounds? Thanks, I think thanks, it, buddy. I think it's something that we all have to be very, especially as we enter our 50s. Exactly. I mean, and you're pushing 60 now, so you... <laughs> That's news to me. But, but this, whole, me. this whole experience that, that you went through reminded me of a great saint, Saint Ignatius of Loyola, and his own forced fasting. Yeah. Right? 
Right. I'm humbled at the comparison, but you know, other than the founding of a religious order and the military experience, there might, there might be a few similarities. I, I, well, and as I was doing some research, you know, thanks be to Google and thanks be to Wikipedia, because I'm not a, an, an expert on St. Ignatius of Loyola. I'm, I'm not his biographer, so I you know, kind of know bits and pieces of the story, but not a whole lot. And when you say you know, some similarities in, in our lives... I can't necessarily speak for your younger years, but when I look at my own younger years and I'm reading about St. Ignatius in his younger years where, you know, he took up dancing and fencing and gambling and the pursuit of young ladies and dueling. I mean, he was a man of his times. And very, I know my mm -hmm. high school days and university days, um, you know, the description that's given here from one of his contemporaries could have been a description about myself, you know, in my late teens, early 20s. A fancy dresser. I don't know about being an expert dancer, but a womanizer, sensitive to being insulted, uh, rough and punk punkish, <laughs> and using privileged status to escape prosecution, right? So kind of using that upper middle class kind of to, to weasel my way out of things. And so, you know, Ignatius of Loyola really was a dude. He was a, a man, of, a man of his times, and until that fateful day when yeah. so he was twentieth of May, fifteen twenty-one. He had his leg shattered. Darn, darn cannonballs! Eh? Yeah. <laughs> you see the cannonballs coming. You got to get out of the you way. You got to get out of the way. Right? Turned out to be a blessing for him, obviously. Right? <laughs> And so he went through multiple surgeries. So, so like yourself, going through the surgery. Right. Except I was under. Yeah, you, so you yeah, I was going to say, unlike, you, unlike yourself, you know, St. Ignatius, when he was having the surgery where, where they kept breaking and resetting his leg, no anesthetic back what, in the what 1500s. shot of what? Would they have had whiskey in, in Spain or wherever that happened? Like, they had to have something. Wine wouldn't have been good enough. They had a nice flight of craft beers. Is what they didn't have these flight of craft beers. He must have been just one tough dude to, to undergo that. Yeah. I mean, I was knocked out cold, and, and thank God, because yeah. I was, when I came out of that anesthetic, well, you could, you've come out of anesthetic before, yeah. and you just... You're not really with it, but yeah. So he comes out of the well. He comes out of the surgery, and he's laid up, and he starts reading. Does he not? Yeah. So he he needs something to do. I mean, they didn't have cable TV back then. Nothing like Netflix or the Disney Channel or whatever. All these other streaming uh, things are just didn't exist. I mean, no no internet, no YouTube, no podcast to listen to. I'm sure at the time, if Saint Ignatius was holed up, sick, and not able to do anything, like yourself. He would have been listening to the Pints and Pews podcast. You know, I, and that's what I was listening, of course, to your Pints and Pews podcast. But I just thought to myself, I have Netflix and I wasn't binging on Netflix. I was binging on, you know, daily reruns of Hawaii Five-0 <laughs> from the 70s and these biographies of the saints, which will, and, and, and whole Catholic people, which we'll talk about shortly. But So there again, there's a similarity because St. Ignatius asked for reading and he asked for books that he was interested in. He asked for, you know, chivalry romances he was asking for the equivalent of harlequin romances i did not ask for any harlequin <laughs> romances while i was off no but off. you're watching hawaii five, five oh. <laughs> something about that i never watched it growing up in the 70s and they just you know when you got mcgarrett and bookham dano i thought that's a show i could watch so that was enjoying but but the bi biographies i i went through uh Novalis and got these biographies of just catholic people and uh, i mean you've obviously a lot of our listeners would know you know, um, 
Flannery O'Connor and Dorothy Day and obviously Oscar Romero. But uh, some of the like the lives lived in these books, and you think to yourself, "Geez, I don't." Well, it, it's 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 like when you were talking to I think it was Stephen McAvoy, and you think you know you you read a lot, Robert, which you do, and then you interview him, and you know he's just read so much, and you think to yourself, "You're living a pretty good life," and you look at these people, and you're, just, you're not doing as much as you could, right? Yeah, and that's exactly the experience that St. Ignatius had as well. So they didn't have any Harlequin romances in the, the castle for him to read. They had the life of Christ and the life of the saints. Right. And you could do well with, with both of those. For, we, for we, we all need more of Christ and we all need more lives of the saints. Um, so kind of like you're saying that you're reading the lives of modern saints. He would have been reading the lives of his contemporary saints absolutely and the lives so, of the saints for the first 1500 years of the church not for the last 500 years which he would have missed a lot of great saints including himself and that <laughs> but we never try to count ourselves among the number of the saints until after we all strive for sainthood absolutely. that needs to be our goal as sainthood but we also need to have the humility to and he say certainly wouldn't have ever perfect. thought of himself as as anything close to a saint right well, exactly exactly so his favorite book that he had was the Vita Christi by Ludolf of Saxony. I've never heard of this book. I'm going to have to dig through uh, the local Catholic bookstore or Amazon uh, to try to find this because now, now I'd really like to, to read it. And from that book it was how he was inspired to come up with his spiritual exercises, which uh, everyone, I, I've mentioned so many times on the podcast that I, I do like to do a daily devotional mm-hmm. reading. For the longest time, it was The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. But I was finding, reading through that the third or fourth time, uh, I was becoming too familiar with it. Okay. So I decided I'm going to start reading the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And I'm doing the, the Coles Notes version, the three minutes uh, Ignatian exercise in the morning. Oh, it comes say- on a blast. Okay, I was going to say whatever I'm texting you, but okay, yeah. you get your, you get. That no, that's Laudate. We'll get into that at a later date. But this the Vita Christe inspired the method for the spiritual exercises of asking the reader to place themselves mentally into the scene of the gospel. And again, the way that God works sometimes it just absolutely fascinates me. As we're entering into Advent, what are the spiritual exercises? What are the reflections? that I'm going through with St. Ignatius of Loyola, but those that are based on the nativity, on the birth of Christ. And the one I was doing this morning going through was asking me to put myself in the place of Mary and Joseph as they were arriving in Bethlehem. And they're going door to door, in to in, looking for a place to stay. And they're having all these doors shut in their face. Mm -hmm. And as I'm being put into that place by St. Ignatius of Loyola, I start thinking to myself, who in the right mind would, when a woman who is nine months pregnant shows up at their door and says, I need a place to have my child, tells them to go in the shed out back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have a... And and there there is no answer for that, but going through the spiritual exercises of of St. Ignatius of Loyola. That's the first time in in 50 some odd years of Christmas, of reflecting on the the Christmas story, that it dawned on me, like not only that there was no place in the inn, but someone looked at Mary in her state Mm -hmm. and said, get out. 
And you're thinking, like, does that person have a heart? Yeah, pretty unbelievable. Heaven, right? And that's the, the beauty of the, the spiritual exercises is it really calls you to, to dig that much deeper. Hmm. Right? So you did some reading. Yeah, reading. I, I think my prayerful life improved. It, it became more routine. Those biographies of, of uh, Martin Sheen, the actor, um, Cardinal Tagle of uh, Manila, Flannery O'Connor, which I just finished. Uh, and and you, you talked, of, and of course, Dorothy Day, incredible woman. But you talked about that a little bit too, Robert, about reading faith books. And, and these were great biographies. But I still want to keep up my fiction. And I think that's a great place to start when you think of Flannery O'Connor. And she wrote a lot of fiction. But she always brought it back to Christ in the church. And she being an outsider. One, because she had this disability. Sorry, she had this disease. She had lupus. She died before she was 40. And she was a Catholic in the American South in the 40s and 50s and 60s, which was a rarity, right? An Irish Catholic. So, thing, you know, if you can read that good fiction, and, and I think you mentioned this last week uh, or last couple of weeks with your podcast with Stephen McAvoy, he put books out there that were good books to read. And I think you mentioned as well the fiction books, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Fiction for kids, fiction for adults. So he went through his, his list of his favorite fiction authors. And I don't have all of that in front of me. So to, to go through the list. So this is an invitation for those of you that haven't listened to that episode uh, with Stephen McAvoy and, and reading Catholic to go back and listen to that. I can I mean, still, I can still, I still can't believe how much reading how many books he gets through on a regular basis but and he's really good if you get in touch with him so for example this past weekend my wife and I we were doing some Christmas shopping for her niece who is 10 years old and we want to get a book but you know you go and look in the the big name the big box bookstores right. you know the babysitter's coven you know and uh, there, all of the you know witchcraft for preteens and all of this and you're going no no i send him a quick text message hey steven you mm -hmm. have any you know recommendations for young ladies uh, at this age i'd have to to dig it up right to, to find what he recommended and do you think that they had it at the big box bookstore mm. No. You have to go online for that, for sure, right? Yeah, uh, you go online, you get to your local Catholic bookstore as well. And, and you mentioned that about the local Catholic bookstores, if you have one in the in the neighborhood, in, in which the area, yeah. there's not many. I mean, there's one, you know, St. Paul's in Toronto, but there's not there's not a ton of them around. Oh, exactly. You were alluding to as well how this. Ignatian experience, you know, if we can call it that, and this forced fasting really helped strengthen your faith life. Yeah. I, you I want to go it, into that a little bit? Well, I, I think it, it did in the sense that, I mean, it you, you stare morta your mortality in the face. I mean, we're still relatively young, I think. I mean, obviously, you know, teenagers wouldn't think we're that young, but we're, you know, in our early 50s. And... I like to think we're still babies. Yeah, and we're we're looking at you know you, you think to yourself okay you don't know when that time is that time that is going to come when you, you may be close very close to death and I think it gives you a sense of okay what are the important things in life and we spoke about this earlier on Robert when you comes down to it it's your faith your family and your friends and those are the three things that sustain me going through that experience and without that I don't know 
because psychologically I was at pretty low points and those three things keep me going and I was lucky to have them and I, you know I'm, I'm still very lucky to have those and, and when we were talking off air before um, you mentioned you know kind of how it put those things in perspective and, and one line that you said to it doesn't matter how much I have in my bank account as long as I have my faith my family and my friends and I really loved the way that you prioritize them and you didn't do it on purpose it's just the way it came out naturally but you put them in that order faith family and friends god first god above everything because and i think that's it when we come face to face with our mortality whether it was yourself with the the gallbladder attack myself with the the covid because there were a few right. times where you know it, right in the throes of covid i'm staring myself in the mirror oh. kind of going you look half dead I remember you telling me it was just a horrible experience. And it really makes you come to understand how important God is in our lives. And just a, maybe another aside on that too, a, a personal story. Uh, when my own father was in his last days, and my dad, who was not a religious man, I don't know the last time he went to Mass, made it to church, but as he knew he was on his deathbed and we had Father Michael come to do the anointing of the sick, you could then see my father, my dad, who was born and raised French Canadian Catholic, realizing how important his relationship with God is, how important the sacrament is. And you could almost see in his face the regret of not having growing that faith relationship but also his peace in knowing that he was forgiven and that god is merciful and that that he's the loving father always waiting for that prodigal son to come back and so you said that faith number one family those people that we are called to bring closer to heaven those you know our, our wife and our children and really we come to realize that they are the ones that we rely on day to day wife you know my wife is great I, my wife who's in fact a nurse who was watching over me in the hospital you know picking out a couple of things that they weren't picking up on and you know those first couple of days were a bit shaky and she was able to say okay i think we, we should look at this he looks a little bit jaundiced so we had to fix that and his temperature still spiking so maybe we need to look at the different you know um medications antibiotics he's on but that was a, important. Brothers and sisters, you know, who are always checking in, texting and stuff like and And, and again, friends too, Robert, yourself, other people, you know, colleagues, people who I just thought, you know what, it's really good that they're, and you don't realize it till you're at that low ebb and stuff like that. But I, I feel very blessed. I, I feel like it's it's been something that, you know, the fasting was a big thing. You know, I had, it, like you say, the fasting, but it was also the trials and tribulations. And I think, you know, faith sometimes we take for granted. We take for granted our faith. We take for granted this Catholic Church. We take for granted going to Mass. And when that's taken away from you or you're, you're, you're somehow that's not, you know, going along it's, normally. It's, it's not part of your daily routine it's, anymore. It's, yeah, you appreciate it a little bit more. And I think sometimes you need to maybe go through something like a trial or tribulation like that to really appreciate things more. And that's why, you, and you've had a couple of guests in my absence, you know, those people who didn't grow up a cradle Catholic, cradle Catholics who maybe don't, who appreciate the faith a little bit more than us who've always been in the faith. Yeah, and you're saying that reminds me of Scott Hahn one time. 
uh, said something. It's along the lines, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So, you know, Scott, number one, if you're listening, wow, thank you very much for <laughs> Scott Hahn listening in. But also, I'll just apologize for, for paraphrasing that. Uh, in that, you know, people look at the fire of the converts to the Catholic faith and that, that, that enthusiasm that they bring to the faith. And he said, you know, as a convert himself, he wants to thank cradle Catholics for keeping the embers burning, that low burn that's consistently there so that it is present for the converts to to, to see and come in and revitalize, revitalize that. And you see that with, with people like Scott, Han and, and and certainly Marcus Grodi in his journey home and I think one of your guests in my absence was on the their journey home and I think that there's a book on the shelf there tales from or stories from the journey home and it's amazing the faith that they bring into this church and we just say okay oh I didn't realize that well, this is beautiful well, e- exactly and we we're talking about family and you you, know, you were mentioning a little bit you know your wife as a nurse that you're blessed that your your wife is a nurse we don't all have that no. blessing but what our spouses do for us and what we do for our spouses, a lot of times we would ask them to do things, especially when we're at those low points during a health crisis, that they actually step up and do things that we would be mortified to ask anyone else mm-hmm. to do. And we're not going to go into to details yeah. on, on that uh, because those of us that have been called to the sacrament of marriage, yeah. I think know that that... You know, things that we wouldn't even share with our best of friends or that we wouldn't even want to ask our parents to do. We don't even want to ask our spouses to do it, but they step up and do it. But they do that. And you're right. And you're really, that whole till death do your part, that really comes to the fore. And and when you're really down, down in the depths and that person steps up and they realize that this is something they have to do and as we would do for them too. Yeah, it's a beauty. It was that was really nice. Now, before we, we ask you about how your prayer life deepened through all of that, uh, I noticed yourself, myself, the Munich lager glass in the, the paddle is now done. So we are going to move on to the Scotch Ale Strong Beer. And any Scotchman would tell you anything that comes out of Scotland is strong. Right. 7%. What are you giving to uh, me here? Cheers, buddy. Cheers. I like these little glasses. <laughs> I think a pint glass that got shrunk. How good is that? Oh, that is nice. Isn't that nice? That is smooth. Yeah, what is... That is smooth. Describe that. Describe some of the... Describe that. I'm going to read the tasting notes off of the label because I... I've tried to cheat too. I don't think they give them to you there. Yeah, malty, delicious, and smooth. This strong Scotch Ale lagers for an unprecedented three months before its release. It has a clean finish with a touch of residual sweetness. And yeah, it is smooth, and there is that that sweetness to it there. Yeah, so I've always is... liked the Scotch ale, oh, oh, the traditional added... Irish red in the Scotch ale. I like the traditional Irish red more, but the Scotch ale is pretty close. So you're just from the northern part of the the British Isles, there, aren't you? <laughs> well, both. I think I have a, a parent from both parts of the north and south. But that that is a dangerous beer because that is so nice and smooth. That is, I, I really like this Scotch ale. That's no, very good, isn't it? it? It's a sipping beer. Like it, it is smooth and, and full-bodied. It's not a beer that you're going to have pint after pint after pint. No. But on, and you'll have to excuse the expression, but on a dunkel kind of day. Right. That would, beside a warm fire with a good book, 
That would be a nice yeah, beer to Yeah, I think to, you're going to find, Robert, that these last three that they were going to have, that one followed by the spiced holiday ale and the milk chocolate stout or the kind of warm fire kind of tuco okay. kind of day. Well, we're in the month of December. We're moving through Advent, so those are the, the kind of beers that we're going to want. So Unfortunately as, for the next four or five months, I guess. Uh, right? So as we're sipping on the scotch ale, talk to us a little bit about your prayer life through all of this. I think it just got more routine, Robert. I think it, 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 you know, obviously there was a prayer life before. It can always be better, but it it became more of a routine in the morning. La Daute, which I think was one of the apps that you gave me. I and love that app. Yeah, that app is really good, right? It's got the saints, and of course it's got... And anything you want under your fingertips in that Laudate. We were talking a little right. bit about, uh, about Laudate off here before we got started. I do my readings of the day with Laudate. The only right. problem I find with that, doing that on my phone, is with a notification that pops up. You yeah. have you have mail, yeah. or you have this on Twitter, or that on Facebook. It distracts mm -hmm. me. Right. But really, anything you want is on Laudate. So... You were doing Laudate. What else was going on in your spiritual prayer exercise? I think you gave me the. Did you give me the three minute Loyola spiritual exercise? No, that's was that, not. That wasn't for me. Something came across there, but that's a morning thing. And then, you know, rosary became part of my daily, both in the night and the morning, a decade each, and and just a sense that I had to pick that up a little bit, and that, and that was something that I, I think is something, and I think it was, uh, you know, was it one of the secretaries at school that mentioned that? For I don't know how people start their daily life without. Prayer, uh, prayer in the morning. Well, exactly. Just making that that morning prayer. I offer you my joys, sufferings, works of this day. Now, I have a question for you, and we didn't really talk about this before, but maybe take us through a little bit. Did the focus of your prayer change? So, when you first went in with the acute illness. Right. And then through the convalescence and up to your surgery was not necessarily an ebb and flow of, of prayer life, but the, the, the focus of that, as I know with myself, when we went through, my wife and I through our, our illness, there was a certain degree of why, mm -hmm. and then moving from that why into uh, a humble obedience to the call to carry that cross. Did you find hmm. something similar to yeah, that? I, I would say more, I, I never really thought about it, but I, I think maybe more of a, a petitional prayer, which, hmm. I mean, we always have people we're praying for and, and parts of our lives that we're praying for, but more of a, a joy and a, a kind of a, a sense that, okay, where what am I being called to do? Where am I being called? What purpose am I being called? So maybe that's something that you're kind of alluding to, but it was more of a sense, okay, what do you need me to do, Lord? And that's what I'm still kind of working on. And being back on the podcast is a big part of that, Robert. Yeah, that, that notion of, Lord, where are you calling me to go? Why have you asked me to, to carry this cross? Right. What, what do you want me to do with it? Absolutely. Okay, I've gone through this. Thank God I'm on the other, you know, mostly on the other side now. And then what, where am I going now forward? And what do you want me to do with, with that cross? I, right. I humbly take up that cross. Where do you need me to carry it? And that's been one of my meditations of late. And that, that whole other podcast, you know, kind of meditating on the crucifix, but I'm always fixated on Christ's feet. Right? <laughs> and, and on Christ's pierced feet. And I look at that, Lord, where do you 
want me to go? Do you need me to be here? Where do you need me to go? And the fact that you say cross to Robert, I think is important as I'm going through, you know, reading Flannery O'Connor, one of her great quotes in her correspondence with one of the women she corresponded with in the 1950s is what people don't realize, she says, is how much religion costs. They think faith is a big electric blanket, which a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. When in fact, mm-hmm. of course, it is the cross. And I think that's something you're, you're, you're speaking about there. Yeah, just that notion, I think, that many of us have of religion as a security blanket. Yeah. Now, she calls it an electric blanket. blanket. I've only ever slept once with an electric blanket. Yeah, no. The most comfy sleep I've ever had. I've just, got a weighted blanket now I use. It's such a good sleep. It was kind of just, but just being wrapped in that warmth and comfort and security. Well, we don't want that cross, though. We want to push that away. We want to say to, we want to, say to God, no, you know, I go to Mass every Sunday, why am I? I don't want the cross. I I don't want that. I'm ticking. I'm ticking all the boxes. How, all the boxes how, how come I'm there. getting all, all that suffering? I'm ticking all the boxes. And as we're talking about that, there's that that notion, and Archbishop Fulton Sheen talks about this in, in a number of different places, that we all want the resurrection without Good Friday. And one of his quotes, and again, I'm, hmm. I'm paraphrasing because I don't have this in, in front of me right now. Um, that goes back to uh, one of the guests that I had shortly after that you, you got ill. I think right. it was the, the, the one right after um, Al Smith. I, I, yeah, that I, was a great episode. I affectionately right? call him the, the Sheen Machine. The Sheen Machine. But uh, he has Bishop Sheen today as his, uh, his ministry. Uh, so he'd be able to, to give you the quote right away. But there can't be an Easter Sunday without a Good Friday. Yeah. Right. But how many of us want to get to that Easter dinner and the Easter egg hunt and you know the the big meal with all the, the yeah, fixings. The trimmings and the wine and the yep. But we don't want to do the fasting of Lent. And yep. we and we don't want to to do um, what is called you know, carry our cross on Good Friday. And so not from Flannery O'Connor. That's from one of your your readings of the the modern day saints. Now, I, again, it's I don't think it's Saint Flannery O'Connor, but she's uh, definitely, uh, as Bishop Barron said, one of the pivotal players of our faith, especially. Yeah, there were so many 20, the last century. There were so many twentieth century, you know, potential saints I came across. Of course, her Dorothy Day. Um, I, I read a a book by um, a biography on Thomas Merton. And and it, by Dr. Deep. Michael Higgins, which was one of your guests, uh, Stephen McAvoy's, I think, professors at St. Jerome's, was yeah, it? Exactly. And that was a little bit deep. Yeah, that was a, it was a difficult read, but certainly, you know, um, all these people, and and you think that they're, how do you get to such a deep faith? What a beautiful thing! But all you, had faith, and they all had works backing that up. I mean, they all had their the vocations, if you will. Flannery, obviously, she was ill quite often. She wrote in these beautiful pieces of fiction. But Dorothy Day, I mean, she lived that life in New York City, helping those people less fortunate, right? Oh, for sure. And when I read the, the lives of the saints uh, each oh. day, like you were saying on the Laudate app, and you kind of realize, like, how much am I lacking? How much am I lacking? And the martyrs with them, right? Yeah, some of the martyr saints. It's just like, wow, I just stepping up to the to the plate for their faith. And again, you're getting that from your readings here. Coming back to St. Ignatius of Loyola and his reading of the life of Christ and the lives of the saints, mm-hmm. you know, as he came out of that, 
and he had recuperated from his injuries, uh, he resolved, number one, to go on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, right. which is, I know, that. something that's high on my list of things mm -hmm. to, to eventually Which would have do. taken him quite a bit of time back in the day. Couldn't just jump on. Not that yeah. you can jump on a plane today either. <laughs> right. right. Certainly uh, not to the Holy Land, I guess. But. And the other thing was to do stricter penances. That notion of taking up the cross, that our faith isn't meant to be easy. And, and saying that, I think back to... Um, our Lord speaking with James and John as they were walking along the road. And James and John said, you know, Lord, we want you to yeah. do whatever we ask of you. And he says, well, what do you want from me? Well, we, when we come into your kingdom, we want one to sit at your left, one to sit at your right. And our Lord says, do you know what you're asking of me? Are you able to drink from the cup that I will drink from? Right? Are you able to drink from the chalice of sacrifice. Hmm. All right. Our Lord never promised us that it was going to be easy. And that's exactly that quote from Flannery O'Connor. Our Lord never promised us that electric blanket. Yeah. That's right. the cross. And when you mentioned his, didn't he live in a cave for a while? Like, I mean, he took it to certainly, that yeah. penance he took quite to the, and to so the extreme. He, he, he came to those resolutions and he went to Montserrat and he right. did a life examination of conscience and looked at his past sins i mean we go back to the you know the the dancing the dueling the gambling the womanizing and he confessed all of those and gave all of his fine clothes to the poor put on sackcloth oh. left his sword and dagger at the altar of the virgin yeah. mary during an overnight vigil and, and then yeah he went and lived up in manresa yeah, not right. to be confused with the spiritual center in Pickering, Ontario, right? <laughs> Different kind of man, Risa, the original man, Risa. And took himself out of society wow. and lived in a cave. And you thought at that point, you thought, okay, he's lived a pretty holy life. And then he comes out of the cave, he goes back, you could probably tell the story, but gets an education, decides that he needs as much education as possible, thus the Jesuits with their 12-year yeah. formation, and starts the Society of Jesus. I don't know if he does that right after he comes and out. And they're God's foot soldiers. So he, he brings that military discipline to the faith. And that's always something, too, that fascinates me. This notion of discipline also comes from the same root word as disciple. Right. And you cannot be a disciple without discipline. Yeah. Right. And so St. Ignatius brings that to the fore with his spiritual exercises. And... Again, these forced fasting, these Ignatian experiences, mm -hmm. like you went through for four months, like I went through for four weeks, brings that discipline. When we're, we're falling out of discipline, so you talked about the night before your, your crisis or the day of your crisis, mm -hmm. you have a couple of pops and the big giant cheeseburger. Right. Well, no, you're not being disciplined with what you're putting into your body. Right. We're going to make you disciplined. Mm -hmm. Right, and that that makes it the hard way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, just before I know you've got a couple of quotes lined up, but just as we're talking about the spiritual exercises, I did want to share uh, a couple of quotes from that, and it kind of ties in nicely to that quote from Flannery O'Connor that. Our faith is not an electric blanket; it, it is the cross. It is the cross, yeah. And so, you know. A couple of, of quotes from St. Ignatius of Loyola. I'm actually going to go in the opposite order I had originally planned them mm -hmm. in. But the, the sacrifices 
that Jesus asks of us, he first accomplished himself. And, like and, and he goes on to say, you know, basically, you know, if Jesus asks you to be humble, well, remember, he first humiliated himself. If he asks you to renounce worldly goods, he was the first to renounce. Mm-hmm. And he renounced more than he's asking us to renounce. He's actually, Christ has gone beyond what he asks us. And course, yeah. he says, you know, he renounced himself even to the cross. And so when we're asked to make these sacrifices, when we think back to Christ and all of the sacrifices he made, really what he's asking us to do pales in comparison. Right? Right. Uh, and again, that notion of, you know, do we want the electric blanket or do we want to conform ourselves to Christ? Right? Unless your bank is a lot more comfortable though, isn't it? Well, I mean, comfortable, I, I mean, in the sense that, you know, keeps us warm and cozy. But really, in the end, it's not what we're called to, to do. It's not what we're called to do. And then so finally, the other quote that I have from the, the spiritual exercises that really hit home for myself. Assure yourself of the sanctity of your death by the sanctity of your life. Mm, I like that. And I love that. And again, yep. You know, if you spend all of your life wrapped in the electric blanket of a happy faith, I don't want to say a happy faith. If you wrap yourself in that electric blanket of a comfortable faith, are you going to want to have a comfortable death? Right. Right? And we pray to St. Joseph that we could have a happy death. (laughs) If we're too attached to this world, Mm -hmm. we're not going to want to go to be with Christ in the next world. And we can get easily attached to the material things of this world, Robert. We see it all around us. I mean, we ourselves, too, are often caught up in that, right? As we approach the, you know... In the, well, in the as we're approaching Christmas, Christmas unfortunately... You just need to look around. You just need to look at your phone and, and the things that we're getting, the products that are coming before us. I mean, it's impossible to keep up with all the different sales and stuff like that. I mean, you just had Black Friday in the States, right? I mean, that's... You see everything that's available to us got to keep it in perspective oh exactly exactly and and it's not the end of the world so yeah again i'm seeing now that the scotch ale was smooth was very smooth and went down very nicely so we are now moving on to you've got the tin in front of you so what is the the next one that we've got here the spiced holiday ale which is from the the seasonal series so almost like a i I don't know maybe it's like a vinox bach cheers cheers is that not a good one too? Wow, that's got oh, a little bit of that is nice. I'm I'm gonna raid your cellar on the way out. And take <laughs> you that gotta home take a with couple me. with you. Takeaways for tomorrow. What is that's what is that? It's a sweet kind that's of the cinnamony. Cinnamony. Yeah, uh, and Cinnamon. and I was really looking forward to this, and I didn't want to say anything before. Um, I know I've talked about on the podcast before. I spent six months living in Bavaria, in the the south of Germany, and I was there February through June. Right? But it was cold winter months in February, yep. and they would make a mulled wine. Right? So they would take the wine and heat it up with you know, some orange and lemon and a cinnamon stick in there nice. and some cloves. And oh, like on a cold winter's night, the mulled, really nice. the mulled wine is nice. And I was hoping... We should make some mulled wine right now. I, I, I was hoping that the spiced ale would be similar and i have to say it is it is okay it's much like a mulled wine 
but a beer version. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, that's a that's a beautiful Advent Christmassy. It is a kind. kind it of is beer. a kind of comfort. Almost like an electric blanket that we spoke about, this comfort yeah. <laughs> spiced holiday ale. And it gives you a sense that you're in the season. Yeah. Hey? You, you know how at Christmas time, I, I'm not sure if your wife does this. I know my wife will do this at home. You know, when we're putting up the Christmas tree, you'll put a, a pot on the stove on a, just a low simmer with some apple cider, mm. some orange slices, lemon slices, a couple cinnamon sticks, and a few cloves mm. and you just let that steam. simmer yeah you just let it simmer you leave it on low so no. just, oh. and it fills the house and that's Stop. what the, that's what this beer is we got to try that we're more of a hot chocolate kind of family when we're putting up the tree but yeah, <laughs> that doesn't not, develop not, the whole house does it not not to drink but just to have that yeah, that, that smell, that smell in the house and that's what this the seasoned sorry the, the yeah, spiced, spiced holiday ale the seasonal series is giving me. You could drink here. a few of these over the Christmas season, could you not? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, it's sitting. I think we have to try these plates more often. I mean, it gives you such a variety. You're not stuck to one beer. That's fine. But the next time you're coming up to Port Perry, yeah. Port Perry's so far from Ajax, though. Well, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I stay overnight way up in the boonies. So from some from your your reading, you have a couple of more quotes that you you want yeah, to absolutely. share with us i mean I, I i i mean there was so much and like these these saints that are saints to be 20th century saints if you want to call them but you know such beautiful souls these great people you know some who died violent death like certainly oscar oscar romero but people who gave their who certainly lived their lives in the faith and that's something that mm-hmm. i think we try to uh, we should also aspire to of course and uh, i think a lot of us especially myself have work to do in that department but there was just a couple of quotes that i came across as i you know through the sunday readings and through my novalis book um one is i really like this one here there's more value in a little humility and in a single act of it than in all the knowledge in the world and i think that speaks to sometimes we're better when we're on our phones and we want to search up stuff because we know the information and we've got as much information as we can on something and yet if you can just do that little act of humility According to Saint Therese of Avila, it's worth more than all the knowledge in the world. I really like that quote. I think, and you're saying that, and I'm reflecting on it as you share that that quote. Just having that humility sometimes to say, "I don't know," yeah. right? So you, because you're you're talking about all the yeah. knowledge. We have the world at our fingertips mm-hmm. with our carrying our phones in our pocket, uh, but having that humility to say. I don't know. Or having that humility to say, I need help. I can't do this on my own. Which is so countercultural. It is so very countercultural. What kind of ingrained to us that, you know, you can do anything and don't let anyone tell you you can't do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or another thing is, is I'm a sinner and I need help on the road to sainthood. As, as St. Augustine said, there is no, Saint without a past and no sinner without a future. Thanks be to God that there's a future for this sinner. Absolutely. Don't include me in the saint. Uh, include me in, in trying to get to that, you know, that level. But certainly more of a sinner than a saint. And trying to, you know, working on it. But 
Not it, there quite yet. And that reminds me, one of my favorite books, and it's funny, we, I don't think we spoke about it on our one of our early episodes on books. I don't, we, I don't think I mentioned this book. And with Stephen last episode, I know we didn't talk about this mm. book. It's one of my favorite books. It's entitled Saints Behaving Badly. <laughs> right? And if you think about all of the saints since oh. the time of Christ, and all number one, all of them to a person would say that they're a great sinner. I think that's what makes a great saint is that they are acutely aware of their sinfulness, of their yep. sinfulness, and that their need, their need for God's help. Yeah, God's but, grace in their lives. You're absolutely right. I think one of the first saints that is spoken about uh, is Saint Peter. Was this in the book? Like in, in the book? Okay, yeah, in yeah, the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saint Peter, who denied Christ. Oh, yeah, I will never deny. What did he say? Yeah. And then you look at Saint Paul, who was a murderer. Yep. The quote from St. Augustine, I mean, the quote that I read earlier describing St. Mm. Ignatius as, you know, being well-dressed and a dancer yeah. and a womanizer. Yeah. That's St. Augustine. Yeah. Right? It's becoming acutely aware of our sinfulness, of our shortcomings, and going to the Lord and saying, I'm not worthy. And I need help. But that's what's so attractive about the book you talk about, Robert, is the fact that it's, you know, it's their sinful past. And that and that attracts people to say, listen, they were like this and look at them. They're saints now. And, and you know, I can get to that level. You know, I, I see that. I see kind of my past in that. And I, I want to get to where they got to. Yeah. It's uh, beautiful. Yeah. And, and just that, that notion, if God can work through them. Yeah. Then he can work through me. Through, through anybody, yeah. But there's also that notion in humility that our society has developed a God complex. We have all become, in the Western world, mm -hmm. we've all become our own personal God. Yeah. And we're all, we've all become the arbiter of truth. Yeah. And what I say goes. And it's having that humility to say, God is God and I am not that I think is so important. And that's coming back to the quote from St. Teresa, that having that, that humility, say, God is God and I am not. Yeah. And when we say that, we can recognize our sinfulness, but we can also recognize the mercy of God and know that we have a future. Right? And, and, that, and that is so important for when we're in the throes of a health crisis and a, and a secularization sure. within the world, right? Yeah. yeah. To to know that we still have that future, that God has a plan for us. Right. Absolutely. And another quote, and and something that I think we work on here in the Pints and Pews podcast, Robert, and certainly something that I've noticed just with your last couple of guests that you've had, and most of the guests that we've had on, is that you can win more converts with a spoonful of honey than with a barrel full of vinegar, according to Saint Francis de Sales. And I think sometimes, too, we, we need to realize that, you know, we can't go in with a hammer and realize, you know, point fingers at people. We have to bring them along. And it certainly I, it works better with myself if somebody's willing to work with me and talk to me and stuff as opposed to being in accusatory fashion. Oh, very much so. Very much so. And that's reminding me, and I, I can't even remember who I've spoken with because I've mentioned this so many times. Nobody likes a sour saint. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It, it, you can be the most holy person in the world, but if you're sour, nobody's yeah. going to want to be around you. And not nobody's going and nobody's going to want to follow you. Not attractive at all. Not attractive at all. And I think that's what makes some of these saints so attractive is that they realize, like you say, they realize their own sinfulness, their own shortcomings, and yet they work through it through the grace of God. 
and they ended up in our books, yeah. books of saint. And, and then too, what you're saying, like nobody wants to be brought into the faith, you know, by hit, being hit over the head with a, a hammer. And I think we've seen a lot of that lately is division, even within the church. Mm-hmm. Right. And people saying this is the true faith, and other people saying no, that's not it. This is the true faith. Uh, I went through it within my own parish with the the change of pastors, and I was speaking to someone about that just before I arrived here tonight for the podcast. In that, there were people who were downright combative. Yeah. Right. And if you're going to be combative about the faith, people aren't going to be attracted. No. And I think that's what's so great about the fact that we've been so lucky and you know the the last six that you did on your own and the first 15 before that is we've had guests on here who I've, I've yet to see that type of personality or accusatory finger pointing with the faith they've been people who who live that for for me at least they win more converts with a spoonful of honey than you do with a barrel full of vinegar. Oh, for sure. For sure. So we've been lucky that you, you've been able well, to pick those guests, Robert. I, I, done... I don't want to say lucky. I'd rather say we've been blessed yeah. with, with these guests. Uh, I think we've been blessed with these guests because God has called us in, in that direction. And these are the kind of people God wants evangelizing yeah. and, and sharing their stories. And their stories are so great. I mean, they're so interesting to listen through those podcasts, yeah. right? And, and the best part is, is most of them have a platform somewhere else, whether some of them are doing podcasts, yeah. like the Catholic but, Canuck, the Cordial Catholic, right. uh, William Hemsworth with Know the Faith, Defend the right. Faith. Uh, I know Al Smith does a little bit with, with Fulton Sheen. Right. Or they're priests themselves, or they're, they're book reviewers, or, you know, they're just people living out their faith on a regular basis. But as so, we move into the final aspect of the show, milk, uh, chocolate, the final stout. flight, um, mini the, the, pint, the, mini the, pint. The, 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 the mini pint. What was that again there, Robert? A, a milk chocolate stout. Now, I know that doesn't sound like something you'd want to embrace on a cold. What it's reminding me of is one of our earliest episodes, I had a chocolate pecan stout, which really didn't do it for me. Okay. I love chocolate. I love pecan pie. I thought this was going to be perfect. I got chocolate pecan pie stout. And I just found it a little over the top sweetness. So when I see milk chocolate stout, it's a it's a turn off. It's not a great. And now you're going to taste that, and you're going to tell me that the when you sip that, that the taste of that certainly you're you're much more impressed with the with the taste of it than you are with the the name. Because I'm thinking it's going to be sickly sweet, right? And it's not. Cheers. Cheers to our final mini. Oh, that is, that, is, that is, is nice. That not, is that not a nice little stout there? Because the milk chocolate is not overpowering. It's not overpowering, no. Right. Sometimes when they, they do those flavored stouts, yeah, it's and, a little over the top. And I had one not too long ago where it was just a little over the top. Yeah, and that's not. But you can definitely taste the chocolate in there, yeah. but not to this. It does take like a, it does taste like a stout. It, it is very nice and subtle. Right. I, I like that. That is very, very nice. I have to say that all four that we've had today from Brock Street have been absolutely amazing. Um, whether it was the Munich Lager, the Scotch Ale, 
the spiced ale, or now the, the milk chocolate stout, uh, all four of them spot on. They've been great, yeah. They're good. And having them together as a flight like that. They, so do you think after this flight and the fact that we've had more than a pint, a pint you're ready to give away a hat, Robert? Is there I, anything I, yeah. you put on that website of yours, that your Facebook page, whatever you do behind the scenes, which is so much, I just show up, do my Ed, Ed McMahon's shtick, and, and you keep inviting me back. Well, those are nice looking hats. These are nice looking hats. Put one on, and we'll cover up that cover balding up with, spot yeah, there. Well, you have to. I think you have to. But you know, when you point to the balding spot, there's three fingers pointing back to your balding spot, right? <laughs> I think you have to Doesn't make that, that a little bit bigger. That make that cap a little bit <laughs> that bigger. Big noggin. There we go. That's a nice looking you, hat. You're talking about my swollen head right after we were talking about humility. You okay, should get a you. Uh, name engraved on your pint glass. There, there we go. <laughs> so. Oh, I, again, we've had these caps for a while. Yeah, about six months now, I think, yeah. Uh, I was going to say four months because you gave me my first cap two days before you went into the hospital. Oh, okay. Sorry. So I that's how I know it's yeah, been, okay. been four, months. four months. We've been talking about them for about six months. Yeah. You were the, the impetuous behind this. You were the one who said, we we need to have some merchandise. We need to have some merch. Uh, and through your connections, you were able to get these amazing yeah, they're, they're high quality yeah yeah they're, they're a, nice. A, a nice brush cotton yeah the the lettering is is stitched in it's not your your iron on that you get at the county fair right 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 so they're they're, they're high quality great hats. great colors the blue the blue and the red yeah. the navy blue and a little bit of white with the ampersand is that what you that, is that you pronounce it it's a, yeah i think we said i think that's an ampersand and that, that's getting a little too technical. That for is me. getting a little technical. But you know what I wish you'd done? When you take that beautiful photo of you do for each episode, I wish you'd put a cap in the, the background for that. But I didn't want to bring the caps out right away because the caps were your part of No, the, I, I meant for this episode. For this episode. Yeah, this we is should going have. to be a giveaway episode. This is an episode where we're giving away a cap and you're going to have to decide... How well, we're not we giving it? away a cap. We're giving away two caps. Oh, did, I, did, I, did I not tell you? And no. they're they're coming out of your part of the budget. My percentage of caps, which I have at least at least. You got way more. more. You have way more than I do. Right. I'll have to order so, some more. So two ways to to get a pints and pews cap. Um, the first way to get a pints and pews cap is to like, and follow the Facebook page. And we already have way over a hundred followers on that I, again i'd have to, to look at it on my phone to know the exact number so if you already like and follow the the facebook page you're automatically in there you don't need to do anything else so we'll pick them. a name from that we'll pick a name Excellent. from that okay. and anyone who likes and i want to say we'll do the draw um the feast mary mother of god so january 1st so that gives Perfect. people time to to listen to the podcast and we can mention it because we've got another episode coming up, but we're not going to talk about those guests yet. We always like to announce them. Yeah, we don't. We won't say ahead of time. Okay. The other way that you can win yourself a Pints and Pews podcast hat, and we'll put it in the mail anywhere in the world because we've got listeners, Canada, United States, the UK, Ireland, Germany. I've seen Ecuador, Greece, the Philippines. Australia. Australia. Yeah. We'll get that hat to you in the post. It might t if you're in Australia, it might take a while to get there. But the second way that you can win yourself a Pines and Pews podcast hat is to either give a rating or leave a comment on your favorite platform. 
Now we can't always follow where all of those are, so we're going to ask you to take a screenshot of your rating and comment and email that screenshot to pintsandpews, all one word, at gmail.com. So the two ways, again, to win the Pints and Pews cap, like and follow the Facebook you're page. In once, you're in for that draw. Like, just like it. Yep. And then the other way is to drop us a, a rating and a comment on your favorite platform. A rating or a comment, right? A rating yep. or a comment, yep. one or the other, right. because I know on all platforms you can't yep. do, do all of that. Take a screenshot of that and email it to us at pintsandpews at gmail.com. Okay, what happens if they did a like and then they rated? You can be in both draws. Okay, okay. You okay. can be in both draws. So Just if you want to clarify it, that. No, no it's, the lawyers are coming out, yeah. but that's good to know. The chances of you being chosen twice are probably slim, but the fact that if you're in for both, you're in for both draws. Okay, and as Robert said, he will get that hat to you regardless of where you are in the world. And you know what? Darting their sharp hats. I've, I've worn it golfing. Um, have you worn it out? I, I wear it out and about town and I've had people actually ask me about it. Right. Right. And I know we've sent them to a, a few of our guests. Yes. Yeah. Whenever we have a guest on, we, we offer we, that we, hat. We offer that as well. Um, and I know one of our guests wore it when he took his kids out trick-or-treating. Oh, wow. Right? So the word is getting out there. The word is getting out there. Now I'm looking at our flight of beer here, sir. And it's kind of like Ooh. my, my pint glass. Uh, it's kind of a, it's an hourglass. Right. So, and that's why we went a little longer today because we had a little bit more than a pint. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So as always, the time seems to fly by, especially this episode, because it's your return and we're, we're getting back into the swing of things. We don't get a chance to, to chat all that often. So the, the, the time has flown by my hour flight is pretty much empty. It's, you know what, Robert? It's been a real pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm back. It, it took me a while. Some prodding from yourself. Come on, Dennis. You can do this. You're ready. You're ready. And I think this was a good time to come back. The pint has been great. The conver conversation has been outstanding. I've really enjoyed the, the conversation on the faith. Yeah, and especially the flight of beers that we had today has been fantastic. Absolutely. And it's always a pleasure to talk faith with you, Robert. Very true. And just before we wrap up, perhaps there's just one last thing we can, a small favor we can ask our listeners. We kind of already have with the giveaway. If you could just take a quick moment and just take a couple of clicks to follow the Pints and Pews podcast on your platform and give us a review and you'll be automatically entered into that draw that we just spoke about for a beautiful Pints and Pews cap. And another way to have yourself entered into the draw for the Pints and Pews cap is to give us a like on Facebook drop us a line there as well let us know what you'd like to hear on the pints and pews podcast and we'll do our best to incorporate it in the show yeah and we'll chat again soon robert yeah, god willing it won't be four months again like it was last time <laughs> stay away from the cheeseburgers <laughs> stay away from the cheeseburgers but until then we ask our listeners to remember the wise words of gk chesterton in catholicism the pint the pipe and the cross can all fit together God bless. God bless, Robert. Thanks for having me. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. I missed you, buddy. Thank you. I missed you too.